Our scripture lesson today is taken uh, first from the Old Testament, from Ezekiel chapter 34, page 997 in the uh, Pew Bible. Ezekiel chapter 34, reading uh, reading, uh, through verse 24. That's uh, more verses than I indicated in the bulletin. I hit a 1 instead of a 2 there. It should have been uh, 1 through 24. Anyway, uh, Hebrews, uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 34, beginning at verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, But the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out as shepherds seek out his flock on the day that he is among his scattered sheep. So I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they have scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pastures and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. They shall lie down in good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep between rams and goats. Is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you must tear down with your feet the residue of your pasture and to have drunk of the clear waters that you must foul the residue with your feet? And as my flock, they eat what you have trampled with your feet and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will judge between the fat and lean sheep Because you have pushed with side and shoulder, butted all the weak ones with your horns, and scattered them abroad. Therefore I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will establish one shepherd over them. He shall feed them. 
my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken. And then reading from the New Testament, continuing our study of John, the Gospel of John, and coming to verse 10, or chapter 10, uh, John 10, the first 10 verses, page 1,235 in the Pew Bible. John 10, verse 1, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. As far the reading of God's word, may he add his blessing to it. Beloved of the Lord, we read in this text in verse 6 that Jesus used this illustration. He has uh, spoken about sheep and about shepherds and about uh, uh, doorkeepers and keeping the sheep safe overnight. And he says this is an illustration. Uh, well, what's, what's he talking about here? What is he illustrating? Well, first of all, the illustration is a description of a common practice in the ancient Near East regarding sheep, a common practice which perhaps is not so common uh, by sheep keepers uh, today who often use sheep dogs to guide and direct uh, the, the flock. In ancient times, particularly in Palestine here, it was common for shepherds to bring their flocks to an enclosed space at night to keep them safe from uh, wild animals that would devour them if they stayed out in the field overnight. You remember... Uh, uh, David told uh, King Saul that he had defended his sheep uh, from lions and from bears that would attack the flock. Well, if you keep the sheep out in the open overnight, they are exposed to all kinds of dangers. And so it was common to bring them to an enclosed area, uh, a walled area with a gate, perhaps uh, adjacent to a, a village or a town, and uh, several shepherds, maybe half a dozen of them, would each bring their flock to the same enclosure. And uh, they could either hire a person to sit at the gate all night to guard the sheep. Only one person was needed to, to guard the sheep all night. Or the shepherds could take uh, two-hour shifts. And, and that way, they uh, either way, they could get enough sleep so that in the morning they could come to the gate and call for their sheep. And sheep are of such a nature that when they hear their own shepherd's voice, they come readily. And uh, 
If they hear a strange voice, they shy away from that one. They, they run away from that one. And so it was very easy in the morning to sort the various flocks. Each shepherd would come one at a time and call out his sheep and lead them away. And then the next shepherd would come and call out his sheep and lead them away and so forth until they all uh, took their sheep out uh, into the fields to pasture them and water them and uh, give them what they stood in need of. These are shepherds who care for the sheep, who uh, keep them safe at night uh, from uh, various dangers and also take care of them during the day, taking them out for pasture and for water and for all that they need. But in this uh, illustration, Jesus talks about those who also climb over the wall. And it's obvious that if somebody has to climb over the wall to get to the sheep, he's not uh, someone who's supposed to be there. Uh, If he was someone who was supposed to be there, he would go to the gate and the gatekeeper would open it for him. But these are thieves and robbers who are uh, abusing the, uh, the sheep who want them for selfish reasons. They don't have the best interests of the sheep at heart. They have only their own interests at heart. And uh, they are wicked people for abusing the sheep. Now, Jesus says, this is an illustration. Well, what's he illustrating? Well, if you've been uh, uh, with us uh, uh, for a few weeks, uh, you know that we have looked at John chapter 9 on July 5 and again on July 18 with an interruption on July 11 when Reverend Green was here. But uh, in two weeks, the 5th and the 18th, we looked at chapter 9. And uh, this is related to chapter 9. Now, uh, even if you were here, you may be like me, and uh, your memory's not as good as it used to be, and some of you weren't with us uh, for those dates. So let me just uh, quickly summarize what was going on in chapter 9. There was a man who was born blind, and Jesus came to him and healed him and restored his sight and then went away. And uh, the man who had been healed was amazed, and his friends and neighbors were amazed, and uh, they didn't know what to make of this or what to make of Jesus. So they brought uh, the healed man to the Pharisees who interviewed him twice and tried to get the man to say that Jesus was a sinner because he had been healed on the Sabbath day, and and that's a violation of uh, the oral tradition of Mosaic law. So... uh, The man would not admit that Jesus was a sinner. In fact, he said just the opposite. He said that uh, God must be with him because nobody could heal a man who had been born blind unless God was with him. Later, uh, And so because he wouldn't agree that uh, Jesus was a sinner but was confessing that God was with Jesus, uh, the religious leadership threw him out. Uh, which literally means they excommunicated him from synagogue and temple participation. He wasn't allowed to anymore join with the people of God in the worship of God. He was uh, cast out and exiled religiously. And uh, so uh, Jesus then found him again and came to him and revealed himself more fully as uh, a divine person. And uh, the healed man bowed down and worshipped Jesus. Uh, The religious leadership uh, trampled all over this man because uh, he wouldn't agree to denounce Jesus. The religious leadership felt threatened by Jesus. We'll read later in chapter 11 if we get there uh, 
that they were afraid they would lose their position of authority that they had under Roman occupation. They had made peace with Rome and carved out a little territory for themselves where they were allowed to exercise their authority and uh, so forth. They uh, were enriching themselves through the sacrificial system, making the temple a den of thieves, a den of robbers. That's a reference to the fact that they were mainly concerned with profit uh, in the worship of God, and they had authority from the Romans to do this. And, and Jesus was uh, a threat to that. He, they felt Jesus might lead a rebellion against Rome, and then everything would be lost. And so taking care of themselves was the main thing, and they trampled all over this man who had been uh, treated well by Jesus. Jesus blessed him. Jesus took care of him. Jesus protected him. But uh, the religious leadership abused him. Well, In light of that, and in light of the fact that Ezekiel 34 talks about bad shepherds and a good shepherd, how God himself will come and shepherd his people, and that he will do it through his prince, David. By the way, Ezekiel makes this prophecy about David about three more than 300 years after King David is dead. Ezekiel comes after that, after David's life, 300 years after, at least, uh, a little bit more than that. And uh, so uh, God says, I will take care of them and the prince David will take care of them. Now, how is it that both God and the prince David will take care of them? Well, uh, Jesus is divine and Jesus is the heir to David's throne. He is David's greater son. He is the prince of David that uh, Ezekiel uh, 34:24 speaks about. And therefore, uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34:24, uh, the fulfillment that uh, God himself will come and, and take care of his people. Well, it's in that context that Jesus now illustrates uh, about thieves and robbers abusing the sheep, and good shepherds who uh, take care of their sheep. Uh, That's what he's talking about. Uh, Chapter 10 is very much in line with what happened in chapter 9. Chapter 9 shows us the religious leadership abusing the sheep and shows us Jesus blessing the sheep. And so Jesus now uses this illustration to talk about the spiritual realities that happened in chapter 9. And he applies it two ways. He applies it two ways, and we're only going to look at one of the applications today, and Lord willing, uh, next week, uh, look at the second application. The first application of his illustration is to say, I'm the gate, I'm the door. And the second illustration is to say, I am the good shepherd. Well, we'll save that, I am the good shepherd, for another time. But uh, look today at the fact that Jesus affirms that he is like the gate, uh, like the door that the sheep go through uh, to be protected at night, but even more uh, go through in the morning to go out into good pasture and receive uh, the food and nourishment and and the life that they need. Jesus is using this uh, metaphor to indicate that he is the one through whom salvation comes to the people of God. Now, this is not a new idea in the Gospel of John, that it's through Jesus that we receive the salvation of God. Already in chapter uh, 1, in verse 51, John 1, verse 51, 
Jesus says, you will see uh, angels <coughs> ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And that's a reference uh, to uh, <coughs> Jacob's ladder. And uh, Jesus is saying, you're going to see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, which means Jesus is the ladder. Jesus is the, the means through which communication goes between earth and heaven. Uh, heaven comes down to us through Jesus, and we come up to heaven uh, through Jesus. Jesus is the, the vehicle, the, the instrument through which we have communication with God. He is the one who brings us to God and brings God to us. In John uh, 6, verse 40, Jesus calls himself <clears throat> the bread of life and says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Again, uh, looking to the Son, believing in him, he's the one. He's the one through whom we gain eternal life. He's the one through whom we will be raised up in the last day. Uh, the, uh, John 14 a passage we haven't looked at yet, John 14, verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus. He's the door. He's the gate. We come to God through him. That's what Jesus is telling us here. And this is not something restricted to the Gospel of John. The rest of the New Testament tells us the same Acts 4, verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Or again, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, There is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Jesus is emphatic. I am the door. There is no other door. There is no other way to obtain salvation than through Jesus Jesus drives the point home by way of a comparison with thieves and robbers. They, uh, uh, the, the Jewish leadership, are the thieves and robbers. They're teaching a way of salvation by works of the law, laying a heavy burden on the people that no one can bear. They are acting out of self-interest. Uh, they want power. They want privilege. They want honor and respect. They want people to uh, acknowledge them as being great, and they want to make themselves Rich, they uh, devour widows' houses and turn the temple into a den of robbers. Uh, Jesus condemns them as uh, as uh, thieves and and robbers. In John 11 verse 48, uh, uh, we read there that they are, uh, as I mentioned earlier, afraid that because of Jesus they will lose everything that they have obtained. Over against uh, them, Jesus says, "I." And the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Here, salvation is referred to as free access to pasture. Beautifully set forth in Psalm 23: "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake." Yes, Jesus is the one through whom we come to those green pastures, those still waters, not rushing waters that threaten to carry us away with the current, but waters that we can enter with no danger to ourselves. Jesus is the one who gives us that spring of water that wells up unto eternal life. 
Jesus is the means. And uh, we uh, avail ourselves of that means by believing in him, by trusting in him alone as the only one who can make us right with God. Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Uh, The thieves and the robbers want to kill the sheep uh, in order to enrich themselves. But he says, I have come that you may have life. You know, the uh, Satan's goal is our death. He uh, He's a liar and uh, a murderer. And uh, by his lies, he brought uh, death into the world. Uh, and because of it, God uh, now sends Jesus to rescue us from death and to give us life, not just life here and now, but when Jesus says, I have come that they may have life, he is speaking of eternal life. We read it in John 6:47. Whoever believes in me has eternal life. Today, there are uh, lots of religious leaders like the Jewish leaders. There are uh, <coughs> charlatans on uh, television who are only concerned with getting, your, getting you to write a check to make them uh, rich. I don't know if you remember... Uh, Jimmy and uh, Tammy Faye Baker, uh, who ran a a scheme uh, of uh, selling uh, timeshares and selling far more than uh, they could ever meet. And Jimmy Baker went to to jail because of it. And uh, they used to, uh, before they were exposed, they used to to ride to uh, work from their home in separate Rolls Royces. Uh, they lived in the lap of luxury and spent money on themselves. And there have been plenty of other uh, televangelists uh, like that who are concerned only with uh, you can have your best life now, you know, just uh, uh, trust God and send me a big check to show that you really believe and and uh, you can have all you want. But uh, uh, outside of the church, there are also those who, promise uh, utopia here on earth. They promise uh, uh, you can have anything you want. You can have uh, the best of of this world. Uh, Communism makes such promises. Socialism makes promises like that. Almost every dictator who has overthrown a government has promised uh, liberty and wealth to the people who will follow him only to uh, enslave themselves, enslave the people and enrich themselves, uh, opening Swiss bank accounts where they squirrel away uh, the money they collect in taxes so that they can uh, live in luxury and not be accountable to anyone uh, for the way that they they use their money. Uh, We we see it all the time that uh, people are advertising products to to make you uh, healthy, to make you happy and and to give you uh, freedom from pain and freedom from trouble uh, when all they really want is for you to buy a, a bottle of pills or buy a book or buy this or that uh, item to uh, make them rich. Uh, a lot of snake oil salesmen that continue to uh, to plague us, promising us uh, the world uh, in order to enrich themselves. But Jesus says, no, I, I am the one who can give you life, eternal life. In this world, he says, you will have tribulation, but uh, in this world, you can have the down payment of that life through the gift of the Spirit, and in the world to come, uh, eternal joy and uh, peace. 
That's why we are called to live by faith. The world mocks at the thought of heaven and a new earth, uh, and uh, it mocks it as a fool's dream. But the real fool is the one who says there is no God and seeks life apart from God. Now, John's gospel is clearly written for a purpose. And the purpose uh, he describes in chapter 20, verse 31, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, that you may have life in his name. The gospel writer shows us that Jesus, so that we will believe in him and find life in him. Jesus is the one who turned the water into wine to describe the future joy that we will have at the marriage supper of the Lamb. He's the one who healed the centurion's son, the one who healed the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. He's the one who fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. He's the one who walked through the storm on the water. He's the one who healed the blind. He is the light of the world. He is the bread of life. He is the source of living water that springs up inside the believer for eternal life. He is the great I am. He is the shepherd of the sheep and the gate into the green pastures of salvation. And you are called to enter that gate by faith in him, by believing in him, by trusting in him. Again, we read in John 1, all who received him, who believed in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And in John 3.16, we read that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And again, John 3.18, whoever believes is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Jesus said, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come in. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And again, John 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I have the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John 6, verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. And again, John 6:47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. John 7, verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John 8, verse 24, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You know, there is a moral necessity to believe in Jesus. I made reference earlier to that verse from Acts 4, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no under heaven no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. By which we must be saved. Not simply by which we can be saved or by which we may be saved, but by which we must be saved. It means there's a moral necessity to believe. God commands all men everywhere to repent and believe. It's a commandment to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. God lays an obligation upon you, and to ignore that obligation to repent and believe is a great crime punished by everlasting destruction. In Second Thessalonians chapter 1, we uh, read this, When the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. 
Why do they suffer eternal punishment? Because they did not obey the gospel. To believe in Jesus, you must stop believing in yourself. You must stop trusting in your own righteousness. The Pharisees believed their own goodness and righteousness would would obligate God to save them. Even today, our default setting is to believe that we're basically good and that God owes us a good life now. Well, that may be our default setting. That may be the wisdom of the world, but that is not the way to life. Proverbs 14 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but the wise man listens to advice. And again, Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean unto your own understanding. Jesus is the door to abundant life, life in its all its fullness, life in which we receive the down payment now with tribulation and life which we receive in its fullness in the life to come. He calls us to believe. Many of you have answered that call and you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. But not all who can hear my voice today have done that. Some of you are keeping Christ at at an arm's length, saying, no, not yet, or maybe later, or no, I'm not interested. There are terrible consequences for keeping Christ at a distance. The Bible says, come, come and draw water from the well of salvation. Why would you uh, come to the waters, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and with price. Why spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him for he will abundantly pardon. Abundant life through abundant pardon. That is the plea of God to his people in ancient times through the prophet Isaiah. That is the plea of Jesus. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I will give you life. Let us rejoice and be glad in such a Savior and love him more dearly as we uh, seek to serve him day by day. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the door, that he is the gate to that life of great abundance, that eternal life of which we receive the down payment now and the fullness in the life to come. O Father, work by your grace and Holy Spirit in the hearts of all who hear today, that they may uh, respond in faith and grow in faith day by day, and that we may live evermore to your praise and gratitude. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.